Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Between Two Studs. I'm Alex Studd. And I'm Ron Studd. And Ron, for episode 43, tonight we have on the show Andre Green. How are you doing tonight, Andre? I'm doing great. How is everybody doing? Ah, doing awesome. Thank you for coming on. Sure thing. Andre, Andre we, have a, we have a tradition on this show. Before we kick things off, we go into what we call the Ember Round. Before we do that, we pay homage to you. And the sponsor of the show, Malort. Thank you, Malort. This is what Malort looks like. We'll talk about it briefly after we take this shot. But, Andre, this is to you. Cheers. And cheers to everybody else. There we go. So the the quick story, Andre, is you're based out in California, right? I am. I'm I'm in San Diego, California. I've been out here for about five years, kind of touching gold, traveling. But yeah. I'm currently in San Diego, California right now. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, if you ever make your way to Chicago, first of all, look me up. But number two, there's a Chicago delicacy. It's called Malort. We talk about it on the show, and they are our official uh, sponsor. And okay. I don't know how to explain it. You just have to try it. It's um, <laughs> it's it's uh, unique. It's a unique. I don't know. It's a very it's unique a, drink. Yeah. Many, many. many aren't quite up for the challenge might be the best way to describe it. It, sure. it definitely is a bit of a challenge to your palate, but we love it. <laughs> but it, well, but it is, it is wormwood. So, yeah. So it's in the absinthe family. Yeah. I'll take you up on that offer. Next time I'm yeah. in Chicago. When you're in Chicago, awesome. you let me know. All right. So buckle up, Andre, you are officially in the hot seat that we call the Ember round. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. All right, first question we always ask all our guests. What's the story? What's the connection? How do you know us? Well, actually, uh, I, I know you and uh, Ron through a mutual friend. Uh, mm-hmm. And he was uh, kind enough to introduce me just recently, actually. And I, I know that Ron and, and this individual were work colleagues. And also, we're college buddies. We, w- we both went to college together. And we have stayed in touch throughout the years. And he's currently my CTO of my company right now. So it's worked out pretty well. And like I told Ron before, that uh, any friend of my friend is a friend of of everybody's, right? So, and I'll I'll mention his name. It's no secret. Uh, His name is Muhammad. So it's been quite a journey. It's been really a blessing that I have him as a friend. He's also a mutual friend of, of Ron. So that's kind of how that panned out with us being connected for sure. Love it. And then once we kind of got talking too, like, I don't know, I've talked a lot with you, Andre too. Um, once we kind of met each other. And, uh, so I'm, I'm excited to have you on the show too. You're a really, really interesting person, man. Very cool. So Andre, if you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about yourself and what are some of your areas of interest? So I'm actually a military dependent, uh, my dad was Air Force. He was an Air Force flight surgeon. Uh, so I was born into the military. Oh, cool. Uh, I think by the time I was two years old, we moved from uh, St. Louis to Ohio. From there, that's when I started getting interested in aviation. We lived right behind an airfield. And I sat there and watched fighter jets take off uh, every day. So I joined an organization called Civil Air Patrol. Um, and by this time, we had already moved to Nebraska uh, at Offutt Air Force Base. 
at the same time, I started getting interested in the military, specifically the Marine Corps. I did. I graduated high school early, so I enrolled in University of Nebraska at Lincoln, studying aeronautical engineering. But I was also on delayed entry for the Marine Corps. Uh, so the Marine Corps got the best out of me. Uh, I decided to, after one year of college, just went directly into the Marine Corps. Uh, my undergrad switched my major into computer engineering, and I ended up getting an MBA with the concentration in global economics. So I started flying privately on the side, and I ended up getting my private commercial and instrument rating. And I still fly uh, right now. So, But overall, my main passion is the stock market. I, I was uh, licensed in securities. I, I'm not currently active, but I was licensed at one time mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um, ended up getting involved in a lot of programming and understanding the multifacets of the stock market and exchanges and bonds and whatnot. So overall, that kind of came full circle to what I'm doing right now. And I ended up starting a company with a combination of technology and financial services. So very cool. Well, looking forward to diving into that second one, uh, especially your business. We'll we'll save that for later in the program. But uh, do you want to do want to ask a very important question? We ask all our guests. What are you currently drinking? So I am currently drinking. It's called Karakuchi. It's a, a Japanese beer. Uh, and mm -hmm. uh, it's actually pretty good. A, a neighbor of mine, he's Japanese. Uh, he moved in uh, recently. So he was kind, kind enough to offer me the drink. And I'm just now opening it. <laughs> Asahi Super Dry. So. I uh, have fond memories of, of drinking that. And to keep with the Japanese theme... I am drinking some Japanese whiskey tonight. I'm drinking uh, Akashi, um, which I find to be a very pleasant whiskey. So we got a Japanese theme going right. here. Ron, are you going to let us down? <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> you know, though, I was this close, this close. I was going to do Suntory Toki tonight. I was. What stopped you? And then at the last minute, well... I reached into my cabinet of liquor, yeah. right? And I've got some bottles that I haven't opened yet. And I was like, you know what? I got to get some stuff on here because admittedly, some of our listeners really like to listen to our thoughts on some of these different whiskeys and bourbons. Yeah. So I pulled out something a little more obscure. This is a, brewer, a distillery in Georgia. In fact, it's from Cumming, right? And um, it's kind of cool. They, they, it says it's traditionally aged quantum purified. Which I Whoa. guess is marketing speak for does something amazing. To yeah, us. I was gonna say if know. we learned anything from, I'm not knocking legends, but if we learned anything from no. our previous guest Stewart, right. we know right. uh, that you can pretty much write anything you want on these bottles. There's no sure. real, there's no real FDA regulation on. You can say, oh well, found you know our ice, our water comes from, uh, you know. Mount McKinley and, you know, transvet, you know, transverses the, the Nile river reverse verse transpiration evaporation. There's no regular, there's no regulation you on any of that. whatever, yeah. but this stuff's pretty good. It's, um, supposedly there's, there's some kind of magical purification process. They put it through magical that, 
This supposedly won't give you a hangover. I've heard. No. I've yet well, to try this. Ron, there's so only one way to find out. out. There's only one way to find out. We we, we got to make some damage on this tonight. <laughs> Andre, I hope you're buckled in because Ron's going to have to drink. <laughs> this is a science experiment. Uh, yeah, I see that. Right? We're doing a... We're doing a podcast and a science experiment simultaneously. Ron, we're going to find out if you get a hangover. We'll report back. <laughs> all right. This all is right. where, th- this is where, like, you know, two seconds we have Ron cut over in editing and it'll be like, for the record, this did nothing or this totally works. Who knows? Right. But that's not my intention for tonight. <laughs> um, but very cool. So we've got, we've got some good drinks. We've got some good times ahead. So here is one of our favorite questions. We love asking our guest, Andre. And this is a question where we've received so many unique responses because it's such a very personable answer um, where really the question is take a piece of art that speaks to you and art can really be up for its own interpretation and explain to us what that piece of art is and why it relates to you in the way that it does. So yeah, a a piece of art that, more so resonates with me or I would say it's a, a movie that um, I recently saw, which is called Just Mercy. Um, I think that movie was, mm-hmm. now it's been maybe almost two years ago. And the thing that interests me about that movie is that it really speaks to how my principles and values are because the movie was basically talking about somebody who was unjustly convicted of a crime that he didn't do. And, and without getting into all the, the details, the, the bottom line is that you had a, a high-flying attorney that represented the little guy. And at the end of the day, it panned out. I mean, justice was served. He was acquitted of all charges. And that kind, that kind of represents uh, how I feel, whereas that if those of us that have a, obtained a certain position of whether it's power or influence or they're able to set the example for others. I, I feel like it's all our responsibility to set the example for the little guy or try to, you know, have some level of justice in everything that we do. So just mercy is pretty much encapsulates my values. You know, that's why I like that movie. So. Very cool. We'll have to both check it out. Uh, and then the final question of the Ember Rounds, uh, we, we always, we, we incorporated this in towards the end of season one, and it's it's been interesting. We like to ask our guests, you know, COVID has had such a profound experience on everyone living. We like to ask our guests, you know, maybe what is something that has come out of COVID uh, that maybe is a positive thing that has permanently changed your life and and is something that, that you'll take this horrible thing that's been happening, this global pandemic, and you know maybe something changed about you or you picked up a new hobby or an interest. For Ron and I, we started this podcast. Is there anything like that for you? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I actually really, really tapped into my technology skills. One of the things where my office is, we have a restaurant, there are, there are barbecue shack, and then we also have a restaurant across the street, but the owner of this restaurant, he was also a prior veteran. He was in the Navy. And it, it turned out that when people were in place shelter, a lot of the shelves were running out of food and, you know, milk and some of the, you know, main food items, whether it's milk, meats or whatever. Right. So what I was able to do is I was able to uh, create a online 
platform for him, whereas that his customers were able to actually order everything online, right? So, and of course he had to have an inventory system in cor corresponding to that. Mm -hmm. So he was able to use that, that platform to actually service his customers, whether it's milk, eggs, or some of these centrals that people were missing. So that kind of sparked a whole nother area of ideas that I had, whereas that, hey, I could use this pandemic to actually leverage technology and allow people to not only have a better experience, but I could kind of create a separate ecosystem with my own network and those that I know, you know, so, and then also the other thing I, I did is actually I created a, a, a new company out of the pandemic as well. So that's awesome. Well, and I think too, one of the big things as well with the pandemic where I remember it and I don't know, well, I'm sure we'll look back on this as really very interesting several years from now. But if you remember like early on, it was like, there were some people that were going obnoxious about things that they shouldn't have been like toilet paper was a very big example. <laughs> and with a, you know, with a solution like that, you can kind of be like, Hey, I'm only going to sell you 50 rolls. I think 50 rolls is enough for any one person. Right. Um, which was a problem that I think a lot of big retailers had is a problem. Like unless you got on that quickly, people were just loading their vehicles up with like toilet paper. It, and exactly. it was absurd. Well, that, that's what, exactly what the problem was. There's a Vons that's right down the street from us. There's a Stater Brothers. So what was happening is that most people were, they just kind of panicked and they were just over buying things. So the thing is that it, these restaurants, they have their own customer base. So because the, 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 the traffic was low, right? So their normal traffic was probably cut in half or even more than less than 50% of their normal traffic. So in exchange for them, not having the traffic now we could increase their traffic by them getting their essentials through the restaurant you know whether it's toilet paper yeah. milk and things yeah. of that nature so because for that reason that actually freed up more space in the local stores whereas that they're in turn just being served by their local restaurants right. so yeah yeah very interesting very cool. well listen you made it out of the amber rounds so congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Glad to be out. Uh, now we're getting now we're now that we kind of have a little bit of an understanding of who you are, let's let's dive in a little bit more detail. Uh, so you know you mentioned earlier that you you were a military family growing up and you kind of went all over the place. Right. And you were living internationally also at, at an early age too, am I right? Can you talk about how that maybe has influenced what what ultimately is your business that we're going to talk about later? Sure. So uh, actually, when I was in Okinawa, Japan, uh, believe it or not, Japan was probably about a decade ahead of the U.S. in terms of technology, especially robotics engineering. And that is really what sparked my interest in into technology and kind of was a catalyst to what I'm doing right now. You know, as far as uh, when I was in the military, I was counterintelligence as well, right? So we really had unlimited funding, you know, as far as regarding to uh, special operations. So we had state-of-the-art equipment, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, night vision goggles or, or a lot of our assets, military assets and equipment that we used. So really 
Japan kind of opened up my eyes to like the power of technology and some a lot of the solutions that it provides for you know whether it's everyday business or everyday life so that was really kind of what landed me into uh, everything that I'm doing right now that's awesome well and I know um we we talked actually a little bit before the show got started and Alex had actually spent some time over there in Japan as well um which is really cool so I think that's Awesome. I still need to go visit. And Toshi, if you're listening, trust me, brother, I will get there at some point and I will totally visit you, man. All yeah. Right. Now, Japan, Japan is, is such a beautiful country. And, you know, I went during the summer and it's on my list to go back during the cherry blossom season, really to go back in that April, May time frame. Right. I've just heard it's absolutely gorgeous there. Oh, it is. Now, I was in Okinawa, Japan. I'm not sure. I, there's other that had others that have been visiting uh, Japan and, and they're mostly on mainland Japan, you know, Tokyo and, and some of the other uh, cities out there. But either way, J- uh, Okinawa, Japan is more so like a tropical island. You right. Know, it, it's the, the, you know, you have clear waters as far as the ocean's concerned and, and just the whole lifestyle and the people, the cultural culture out there is just really, really polite. So it, it was, really a great experience being out there and how yeah. old were you roughly when when you were when you were uh, in i was 18 actually the drinking for in the marine corps at the time you you were allowed to drink at age 18 uh over hmm. oh, oh yeah really? over in okinawa japan you were allowed to drink um at age 18 but that's only over there uh, well i was gonna say do 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 other americans or in the military get kind of annoyed that like, hey, you know, I'm I'm in a military base in the US, I gotta wait till twenty one. Nah, not really, because it was one of those things that was especially so in the Marine Corps, it's we're under the Department of the Navy, right? So our world was basically Marines and Navy personnel, you know, Navy veterans, Navy active Navy duty. We never really encountered too much of the Air Force, even though the Air Force was stationed out there as well. Our, our operations, were, especially the, the what I was doing in the Marine Corps, right? So even what I was doing in the Marine Corps, I was kind of separate from what's called the main fleet Marines because I was mm-hmm. kind of special ops, right? So that's like the uh, Army Special Forces are the Navy SEALs. Uh, so I, I, we were kind of in a community of our own. To answer your question, it was one of those things that was already known. So if you if you ended up getting stationed in Japan, then so be it. Hey, you can drink. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, if I was going to go into the military as an 18 year old, I'd rather be somewhere where alcohol is. I can drink oh, as opposed yeah. to somewhere where it's illegal. Yeah. So I still saying. think it's. I still think it's one of those weird things where it's like okay. We're, we're trusted with the ability to vote, but we're not trusted with the ability to consume alcohol. Like, I get that there's obviously some points pro and con, but I would say if you're willing to, you know, serve our country, eh, you should be able to at that age also. Yeah. Like, that's a big commitment. Oh, absolutely. Making. Yeah. So it's kind of a weird. In fact, that, that was, that was pretty much the sentiment um, being that. You know, we, just like you said, we're serving our country. I mean, it, you know, and, and I have a lot of responsibility. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's an eye opener when you're that young and you're going into the Marine Corps, and especially the, the, the level of 
task that we had to do was just, it, it, even when I think back on it, it's kind of unreal for being that young. So, yeah. So weird side question, and if you can or cannot answer this, totally fine. But in terms of the work that you are doing, is a lot of it still classified or is there any bit of it that's become public and you can be like, oh, yeah, this is that thing I did. So some of it is declassified. Some of it, some of, some of it is not. Right. So, um, okay. like I, I could tell you that we I did some uh, internet uh, terrorist training. Right. So anti-terrorism training. Mm-hmm. And I, I did a lot of training in Lejeune, right? So that was with a lot of my counterintelligence training. And also I, I was with an outfit called 8th Marines. So that's like Force uh, Marine Recon. A lot of the stuff I did uh, in that aspect is still classified. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff that I did do is has since been declassified. Uh, so I, I guess I can kind of talk about uh, some of the things that have been declassified. You don't have to, but I, I was just kind of curious. And by the way, uh, for Alex and I and for all of our listeners, too, we'd like to thank you for your, your service to our country. We greatly appreciate oh, it. Oh, thank Yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I enjoyed every bit of it. But yeah, so to answer your question, yeah, there are things that are still classified uh, to, this, to okay. this day. And I could tell you that a lot of my practices, even to this day, is kind of self-ingrained because of my mil- my Marine Corps experience. For example, not traveling the same route multiple times, right? Or um, uh, uh, memorizing, you know, sensitive information like phone numbers, dates, you know. So a, a lot of these things are, it's kind of like secondhand nature where I, I do it without really realizing it. Mm-hmm. Well, you're still you're still so young and impressionable at 18 years old. So if you're learning these habits of like this is this is what you should be doing, uh, it, it, I, I can naturally see how that is going to stick with you for the rest. Oh of yeah, your life. and and I and I tried and I I I did go to combat three times, so um, mm-hmm. I I do try to keep everything at bay, where I'm I'm not acting you know, too far out of the norm, but I'm kind of protective of family and friends. So sometimes, uh, and I have a daughter also, right? So sometimes depending on what I'm doing, um, and if I think that I might be in a threatening situation, I'll I'll make sure that I won't mention anything about me having a daughter or or family members or, because it's kind of like, okay, if, if the enemy wants to go after me, I only want him to go after me. I don't want him to go after my family, right? So Um, those are some of the things that I kind of have in the back of my mind, even though, you know, we're not in a combat zone, but it's still kind of there sometimes as far as situational awareness is concerned. So, so let's shift gears a little bit. I'm kind of curious too. Um, so your father was in the air force, you went for the Marines, but to this day, you are definitely still huge into aviation. You were mentioning it earlier. Sure. You're a licensed pilot, yes. right? Could you tell us a little bit about your experience with getting into aviation and maybe some of your most fun or interesting experiences that you've had as a pilot? Sure. And first of all, I am the only Marine in my family. My, my dad was Air Force, and I have an aunt that was an Army nurse. But okay. and So I, I kind of... Uh, 
got beat up about that by other family members. <laughs> I was going to say, you were the rebel. Yeah. 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 In fact, I, and I, actually, um, I went to the Marine Corps when I was actually 17, though. I had to have a waiver wow. uh, to go in. So, because like I said, I graduated high school early. So I, I ended up for kind of, that's when I went to college for that year that I went into the Marine Corps. The thing, so my interest in aviation, again, it started out with, because my dad was a flight surgeon, so his friend flew KC-135s, right? So those are are tankers, Um, they're refuelers, but he also ran Civil Air Patrol. So my first experience flying was a Cessna 172, Uh, and I I loved it, right? Um, We went through various maneuvers, like stall maneuvers, um, steep turns. These are all required by, you have federal aviation regulation maneuvers that are required for you to get licensed. Um, and I just love the roller coaster feeling. I'm one of those thrill seekers. So, I, I, you know, I like the Six Flags <laughs> and the roller coasters. So I'm like, wow, you know, if I, um, I could fly, I could, I could have a roller coaster experience every time I fly. You know, you mentioned, you mentioned Ohio earlier. Have you been to Cedar Point? Uh, yeah, I have. I have. Best roller coasters, they say, in the yeah, world? Yeah, it, it was. So, and in fact, uh, now that I think about it, that was really, really fun when I went there. <laughs> but yeah, so that's how... So you're a thrill seeker. Exactly. And we had uniforms for Civil Air Patrol. We had the flight suits like they did. So I, I really thought that was cool. And we had our own little community that we were involved in. So, uh, I, I, you know, I started flying young. And I, and I did want to be an aviator in the Marine Corps. I wanted to fly fighter jets. But I, t- I talked to a, a colonel that was in the Air Force, and, and he also flew uh, in aviation. And he says that in transitioning out of the Air Force, the industry was scarce as far as commercial pilots. Now, that's all changed since then. But so when, sure. when he said that, that kind of made me think twice about, okay, well, maybe I should just get something more stable in technology. Uh, and then later on, I'll, I'll, I'll go back into aviation, right? So that's kind of why I shifted uh, away from aviation. But however, when I was in the Marine Corps, um, I did continue to fly. Um, I, I did, I got a vocational, it, it's a vocational program where the military pays for you to do vocational stuff. And by the way, I also got selected for what's called meritorious commissioning program. So that's when you finish your associate's degree and then the Marine Corps pays for the rest of your college. Then upon completing that, you become a commissioned officer, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, but I was an Intel officer, so I I never was an aviator in the the Air, I mean, in the Marine Corps, but I did actually fly uh, through another program. So, and Right now, I'm looking at being uh, licensed uh, to fly Learjets, right? So that's what I'm currently working on. And I eventually want to start a chartering service um, with, with you. Wow. You are not slowing down. Yeah, well, sure. a- aviation, is, it's, it's, a, it's, it's like a, 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 it's a life, right? Because, you know, you have to stay proficient. So like literally every 90 days, you have to maintain your proficiency. So you have to do five landings, daytime landings, um, three landings at nighttime. Uh, or if you, you're saying if you don't do that within a most recent 90 days, you'll lose well, your license. Well, you won't lose your license, but 
you have to get what's called a check ride from a, a they're like an an assigned aviation chief instructor and mm. are an aviation examiner like a flight examiner and you have to fly with them but but depending wow. on the the category and classification classification of aircraft that you fly um you can lose your license um if you don't stay proficient like on your annual checks right or you could get suspended you really never lose your license in, unless you do some type of offense that where you you can't return from that like they like if you're flying or drinking and flying or something like that or but right. you can get your license suspended if you fall out of your your requirements right so you know so andre we're we're going to go to break but i have one quick question before we do about aviation and i know you you're a pilot but you're 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 not obviously a commercial pilot but what i am curious about is Technology has come so far. Sure. It, it, you know, would you happen to know, and it's okay if you don't, but how much is automated nowadays with autopilot when it comes to commercial aviation? So it, now, it, again, it depends on the carrier and the aircraft, right? So you, you have like the Max 8, you have the Airbuses. Those are literally fully automated. Uh, the aircraft that I fly is fully automated. I mean, it's a state-of-the-art Everything is literally touchscreen. The the aircraft could actually could literally take off and land by itself. It can land by itself. It, it can land by itself. I I um, had no idea it could do that. Wow. Yeah. You, um, I mean, look up technology the, has come that far. Yeah. Look up the Vision Jet. It's it, just like it sounds. Vision Jet. You'll mm-hmm. see how that works. Now, the, the the reason why that's possible is because everything is connected, right? So. You, you have what's called, they're, they're basically, I'm not going to get all technical on you, but they're transmitting radars at the, at the uh, each of the airports, right? So inside of the aircraft, which is receiving all these transmissions, you have what's three-dimensional where it's the altitude, it's the, your heading, uh, it has distance measure equipment, right? So as you're going from place to place, you have a latitude and longitude that's being tracked you have altitude that's being tracked and then you have the distance measure. So what that's doing is that the aircraft that's receiving that data is directly tied into the airport that you're flying to, right? So if everybody's seen the runways that, you know, the runways have numbers on them, right? Mm -hmm. Like two, four, three, six, where those numbers correspond to a heading, right? So two, four means 240 degrees West. Mm-hmm. Right. 18 means 180 degrees south. So when you're you, you have your final destination that is logged in your flight log. Well, then the aircraft receives all that data from that transmitting airport. Right. So and it also has the ability to navigate you through around airspaces because airspaces also have different regulations, like a class Delta airspace might be from the airport all the way to 4,000 feet, right? So anything above that is in another airspace. Mm -hmm. So every single aspect of aviation has a specific rule that's associated with it, which is- Wow. It's just, it is fascinating because, you know, I've, you know, know, a couple of years ago, I was flying a lot for work. And, you know, you you get into these, these flights where, 
you know, you're just you're 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 getting ready to land, and you look out the window, and you're like, there is no way that the 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 visibility is zero, right? And you're 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 oh. in a massive fog. Oh cloud, yeah, yeah. And you're like, there is no way the pilot can see where we're going. Oh no. So I've always just wondered, like, how much is actually being automated? It sounds like quite a lot. So uh, another thing with that, that's called IFR, instrument flight regulation. You have ILS, which is instrument landing system. So with that being is that um, you have a vectoring, which is, and you have actually a, a monitor, a, it's a primary flight display that the pilot could actually see. Even though there's fog outside, you could actually see where you're flying in relation to the geographical landscape below you and also the direct flight path that you're flying to to your actual destination so it, it actually shows a line that and if you're if the aircraft is not following that line then they could actually make small corrections um, and also when it, if you're flying a commercial airline you have a descent rate so for every three miles that you're flying you're descending 1,000 feet right so it's, it's called a controlled descent or a stabilized descent so everything is calculated ahead of time so that's why the, the flights are so smooth even when you go through turbulence and you might see the wings are kind of shaking uh they're designed to do that right those wings could carry so much load you, you could they, the, the wings can literally fold and touch without breaking right no way really oh yeah yeah wow. yeah they, they go through all right so 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 moral of the story for those listening at home might be a little scared next time you're on a plane. Don't worry. Everything's okay. Exactly. And they could they could even be struck Every- by lightning uh and still be okay, right? So everything's okay. Everything's okay, everybody. Right. All right. Hey, we're going to go to break. We're going to go to break. But when we come back, we we've, we've kept talking about this business, right, that you've started. We want to we want to really understand that, get into the weeds of it. Really excited to talk about it. Uh, so that's, it's called pre-market gold. We're going to talk about that when we get right back. Absolutely. Hey, everyone. So in this next segment, Andre's going to talk with us a little bit about pre-market gold. Anyway, before we get to that, though, I wanted to give everyone a quick heads up. So Andre is actually going to give anybody who's interested over the next week an opportunity to sign up for a free webinar where he's going to actually provide us as listeners of between two studs, an opportunity to actually see firsthand how pre-market gold works. So if you're interested, be sure to click on the link that's attached to the description on this episode, and you'll see that also on YouTube. And be sure to check it out because this is a limited opportunity, and we really want to get people to get a chance to see it. It's very cool. So, and with that, we'll return to the rest of the episode. Thank you. All right. Welcome back to Between Two Studs. We're hanging out with Andre Green. And you'd mentioned earlier your interest in computer science. Right? You launched a product, this company called Premarket Gold. Can you tell us how you got started with it? So, uh, yeah, I started out with actually in, in school. Now, my undergrad was uh, computer engineering and also computer programming. In school, when I went on to get my a grad degree in economics, an MBA with a concentration in global economics, I was really interested in the stock market. We kind of had a stint in the exchange and understanding stocks and shares and price to earnings ratio and, and all those technicalities in the stock market. I kind of used my experience with 
computer programming, and also my knowledge in the stock market. And also I did go on to get a securities license. But I, I will tell you, I'm not licensed currently. It's not mm -hmm. active right now. So that is how I started out getting interested in the stock market. And one thing that to another where is I figured out a way where is that I'm able to actually look at a algorithm in the pre-market hours and tie that to a certain ETF in which is going to allow me to set filters based on the technical momentum of any particular stock um, in within that particular ETF, right? So, so if you don't mind me stopping you for a second, right? So just for people who are listening who might not be as savvy, um, I know you talked about algorithms, right? So those, if I get that right, that's more or less like you're kind of using logic to say, hey, if I'm seeing this, I'm seeing this, this is usually kind of what I need to do. It's a type of prescribed action. Is that accurate for like an algorithm? Exactly. And and specifically in this case, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's looking at, and, and I'm, I apologize for the audience if uh, I don't I didn't clarify in the beginning. Mm -hmm. You have in the stock market, you have volume, you have moving averages, and depending on what security it is, uh, you know, for example, options, you have calls and puts, which means that a call indicates that the price is increasing, a put indicates that the price is decreasing, right? So there's all these variables that what the algorithm does is it takes all those and it runs it through a filter which says that, okay, if it's at X amount of volume, it's going to execute. If, if it's at a particular moving average, then it's going to buy or sell. And what an algorithm is doing is that it's actually doing this in milliseconds, right? Or microseconds, right? So a computer is executing these algorithms and what's called algorithm, algorithmic factoring mm -hmm. within 300ths of one second, right? So it's either it meets those conditions or it doesn't, right? So that's why it's so effective. As opposed to a human, they're more so relying on fundamentals, right? Whatever their fundamentals of trading are, you have emotion that's tied into that as well. And they're also relying on their technical charts. If you put a human against a computer, then the computer is going to win every time because they have speed on their side, mm -hmm. right? So that's why I created a program where... Uh, I wanted to give the actual day trader or the retail trader, I want to level the playing field for them because I, I know based on my background in computer engineering, it's just not fair if you're mm -hmm. competing against a computer. <laughs> so for sure. That's, that's fun. And, and mm -hmm. if you want mind, so one of the cool things is prior to the show, Andre actually has allowed me to use the product for a little bit, but if you want mind, I know that you said that we're already, you know, the average retail investor is kind of at a disadvantage because of some of the things that have gone on, just the way that the market works, right? Could you tell yeah. us a little bit about how you came up with a solution or what your thought process is on how to make it more balanced for us? So how does pre-market gold help us compared, to, you know, to get an edge over the in traditional investment companies? Sure. So... For example, when the stock market opens mm -hmm. and you want to place a trade, right? So, you know, if a human is placing a trade and you have a computer that's automatically set to place that same trade, then as I mentioned before, you have 300 of a second 
faster for the computer, right? So both the, a human and, and a computer could place the bio order at the same exact time, but the bio order will, it will execute faster uh, for a computer-driven trade, right? So, and, and that that's just the way it is, right? So, and what I've done is that in the pre-market hours, I've looked at, my program looks at algorithms from certain security, looks at volumes, technical momentum, and it allows you to place the buy order before the market opens, right? So that creates what's called a condition, right? So in the buy order, you have what's called a stop price and a limit price, right? So for example, let's say that you have a stock like AEG and the limit price is $5.60 and the stop price is $5.70, right? So what happens is you have a condition that when you're putting in that buy order, then if it meets that amount of technical momentum, the computer has to execute that buy order between the stop price and the limit price because it's a computer, right? So it's looking at mathematical sequencing and because the order is put in before the market open, even a computer that puts in the order, a buy order after the market opens will not be able to actually put it that order in faster because of conditioning, it'll squeeze that order in, in between the market open and the computer. And correct me if I'm right. wrong, but that's, that's because it's already on the order book, right? So exactly, exactly. So yep. to kind of simplify things and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, but with the example that you were saying with like AEG, let's say that your software says, Hey, Ron, this is a software or this is a stock ticker that looks like it's going to move today your product actually tells me here's probably where to buy it for your limit right so here's the limit price here's the range we're looking to go to if the stock for instance starts ripping or going up really quickly what's going to happen is my order will execute and then part of the way that your product works too is you basically kind of tell me hey you know you have a set time to kind of sell it here's a price target to go for so that you can basically make a pretty nice turnaround within a short period of time based on the indication that your software technology has developed where it's like, hey, we anticipate this is going to go. You buy, you put in your order, it executes, right? And then we just kind of sell right when you get to a point where it's like, okay, hey, I'm at a point where I've made 3% or more and you can just turn around and keep rolling that along right correct me if i'm wrong in any of that by the way yeah and, and I'll, I'll just i'll just kind of summarize it mm -hmm. so the way it works is you're right so what the program does is it every ticker runs through a filter so we have all exchanges nasdaq the new york stock exchange the dow jones so it's literally running through ten thousand stocks and those particular stocks that meet the threshold it'll release it by your email or you send it to your uh, text message, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it'll give you an exact buy price, which will be a stop price and a limit price. So what's also built in this calculation is there's a 1% a, a to a 2% buffer. So that becomes the profit margin. It's sending you those stocks because the price action is still increasing throughout the market open. So there's like, a 2% buffer that's built into that, which will 
allow it to execute. So basically, if that buy order fills between the stop price and the limit price, then that's where you have to add the 3% for the sell order, and that becomes your profit, right? And the reason why it's so effective is because it's already selected those stocks that are moving quickly, and they normally continue to move throughout the market open, right? So my program has actually had an average between as low as 3% to as high as 20% consistently. And what happens is that if, let's say that the ticker just didn't make the stop, mm -hmm. then guess what? Your risk is severely minimized because it needs to reach that level in order for you to have a profit margin in the first place. So if it doesn't reach that level in the first place, then you have no worries. Or if it exceeds the stop limit, then it's too high, right? So if it's too high, then you're not in between that range to make profit, mm -hmm. right? So so let me make sure I understand because I'm, I'm the least financial savvy person here. More or less, Andre, I could start my mornings, you know, each day as I'm getting up. You know, the market's open at 930 Eastern. I'm getting up at 7 a.m., getting ready for work, having my cup of coffee. I will get these emails or notifications from your business yes. that would say these are these are the companies that we anticipate movement on this year or this today. Yes. And these these are the recommended buy in and sell out parameters. And I, I mean, my broker is, is Schwab, so I could just. Throw that all in based on the email that you sent me. It could be an exercise that I spend 10 minutes on a day. Oh, yes. And yeah. and and there's, you know, using algorithms based on activities that are projected to happen, I can make, you know, some money on each one of these transactions. I mean, at its really simplistic way of thinking about it. Exactly, right? right. So the program gives you the exact buy order to place. It, it'll tell you the exact price to place into your buyer. And by the way, I, I use Charles Schwab. So um, that that is actually, I think that's the greatest platform to use. Uh, the execution, even without my program, the execution is solid. They bought out TD Ameritrade. I think the closest competitor to Charles Schwab is Interactive Brokers, mm -hmm. uh, Fidelity. But yeah, so Charles Schwab is a very, very good platform. In fact, uh, I also have webinars with my existing customers and I, most of the time I send out the actual screen layout that I have. Right. So it, it, it even makes them easier to go through a flow mm -hmm. um, and, and place these uh, trades. So, so let me ask you this, Andre, I think right now, right in this, in this climate, it is, it is absolutely seems like every week, the numbers are going down, right? The stock market uh, is is in what they call the bear market, right? Exactly. Uh, at least it feels that exactly. way. Where you know, I think we went seven consecutive weeks right. where it net net it went lower. So even with that, there's there's natural volatility where where stocks are going up and down every single day, yes. even if they are generally trending in the negative direction there's going to be you know spikes along the way yeah. so is your algorithm taking advantage of those those spikes even in a bear market it doesn't market? matter if it's a bear market or or even if it's uh um it, it doesn't matter right if it's a bull market or a bear market 
Either way, it doesn't matter because what's happening is that it's only looking for that mathematical calculation, right? So, and I'll give you an example. Um, let's say that you have a winter amusement park. Let's say that you have a park in Colorado, they're a ski resort. But of course, you're going to have slow times, it's seasonal. So in the summertime, it's going to be slow, mm-hmm. right? But let's take Six Flags in the summertime. Hey, they're going to be peaking, right? Their profits are going to start soaring. Their revenue is going to increase because it's the summertime. Same thing with my product, right? So my software looks for, let's say the S&P 500. It has different sectors, materials, energy, travel. There's no two sectors that are are at the same level at all times, right? There's always, it's a balancing act, right? So when one is up and one is down, what's happening is that if my filter is looking for anything that is above a certain percentage, then it doesn't matter what's going on with the market. As long as there's one company out of 10,000 companies that is actually increasing in, in their, their price action, then it's gonna send the ticker to your email uh, or text message. Now, so let me ask you this question. You know, when you look at the last couple of months, right? On average, do you? I, I, there's two things I think the listener and I are very curious about. One, how many stocks are being recommended on a daily basis? So the, you you will get anywhere from 15 to 20 tickers per month, steadily. Okay, so so it's it's okay. So it's not right. every day. It is it, it so there could be a day where all of a sudden there's five and then the next day there's yes. none. Yeah, because Correct. because re- remember, it it has to meet the criteria. It has the it has to meet the filter. So if if it doesn't meet that, then you're you're just not going to get it. Now I do have the ability in the background. I, I can make adjustments, right? So I could filter out prices for like it's going to look for any stocks that are forty dollars to uh, five dollars. Or it's going to only look for stocks that are under $150. Um, or I could say that I could change my percentages. Like I could change mathematical calculations to actually try to get more tickers, right? So I'm also paying attention to what's going on in the markets that will allow the program to seek out more stocks as well, right? And I just literally made an adjustment. Whereas I introduce 15 new tickers that should consistently send every month as well. Mm. Right. So essentially what I'm saying is that there's a lot of things I'm also doing in the background to ensure that we have a steady flow of stocks uh, throughout the month. Mm-hmm. And of course, the most important question that everyone is asking is, do you have any data that shows the performance of your recommendations? I do. Over the... I have a yeah. performance tab. So if you if you once you register to actually you don't even have to register. You could go to premarketgold.com and you you could look at the performance and it's plotted, right? It's a plotted system. You could look at hover your cursor over the ticker. You could see the percent gain for that particular day. And there's another chart below that where it shows you the actual percent profit, right? It'll show you the dollar amount that you made. You anybody could go and into their whatever their corresponding brokerage accounts are the charts that they use and they could verify that they go look at the historical data and they could verify that and normally it's the first 30 minutes that the market's open so whatever ticker that anybody needs to verify make sure you find the date and look at the first 30 minutes that the market's open for that particular day and you'll see that 
it'll buy and sell at exactly uh, the, the actual percent margin gain that, that it shows on the performance. So is it fair to say normally the, the buy-in and sell, that is all you said within the first half an hour, hour of, of the trading day? Yes. And, and, and I, I even have my own, you know, uh, evidence as far as my own brokerage account to show profits um, that have been. Now, I started off with a $5,000 account. Uh, I grew that account to, in one year, the, my annual report, I even have that, from December, from January to December, it wasn't even the full month of December, grew it to $212,000 from a $5,000 account, right? So the difference is when people are holding stocks, they're holding stocks on the, the, the dips and the, the, the high and lows of the stock and basically the gains have to off offset the losses. But in my program, you're in and out the same day. So you're capturing that profit multiple times throughout the week. So it's, it's almost the same effect with little to no risk because you're walking, if, you, if it doesn't meet the threshold, then no harm, no loss. You just didn't trade that day. Mm -hmm. Once your your ticker engages, and you add the three percent on top of the buy order, then you just walk away with the profit. Even though it's a three percent profit, or sometimes a twenty percent profit, because of the consistency that compounds. So it's almost the same thing as owning and holding a stock, but you're just taking the profit the same day, and you're compounding it back into your brokerage account, right? So so. I have to ask, Andre. I mean, again, I'm I'm the least financially savvy here, but what you're talking about, where we have automated transactions you can set up before the market's ever open. No, 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 no. You, let you me, let using... me correct you on that. It's not automated. So the software has already pre-selected the stock that is trending, but you still have to actually physically place the order. Right. Uh, sorry. Right. Uh, yeah, so I will look at what is in the email or the text. I will make those transactions over my cup of coffee in the morning. Exactly. And I can I can gain anywhere, as you mentioned, between maybe 3 to 20% uh, in a day. Yeah. I mean, what you're talking about is the elimination of a day trader at some point. What I mean is no. you're, you're, you're someone who's doing their own their – own their own research, why would they need their own research when they can rely on your yes, software? Yes, exactly. Now, now here's what I have to say to that as well. Um, now, those day traders that are successful and they've found, they found the sweet spot, uh, I know traders that they consistently, it's like 70, 30. They, they're, they're winning 70%, 30% loss. Fine. You lose 30% of the time, but you're, if you're always winning 70% of the time, then you're golden. Right, net, net, you're, you're, doesn't matter. So, so what I have to say about that, is double dip use my program right make your five percent twenty percent profits and for those traders that are all technical and they they have they know the magic sauce to whatever they're already doing continue continue trading as you've always traded right so it's not to take away from the day trader it's just in addition to what you're already doing why not i mean five minutes 15 minutes a day then you're, you're making three percent twenty percent profit even then i mean um, realistically it's not even that much time like i think that was something so i can speak from per using the product personally um what's cool alex is so you already get the parameters that you need right it's already been flagged like hey this is something that looks like it's going to move 
you put the order in, right? So that takes maybe a minute, if that. You put it in, you wait for it to execute. Once it executes, you take the price that it executed at. So let's say it's $10, right? You do the math and you say, okay, I want 3%. You can actually just set the limit that you're going to sell it at, walk away, go get a coffee break or whatever, come back, and a lot of times you'll actually sell well above that because especially if it's something that's really moving very quickly, you'll get it, right? Because it's set right. it and forget it. And then what I think Andre... Ron Popeil. Hey, and, and I'm not sure if Andre mentioned this or not, but one of the other things too is that your risk is also very limited, right? Because let's say the price does start going down. I think he sets it, we set it at like what, 1%? So like, let's say 2%. 2%. So, so there's a 2% stop loss. Right. Yeah, so... So here's the thing. So so you're never gonna lose. You're never gonna lose right. more than two percent per day per transaction. Nope, never. Now, and, and in my own personal experience, and, and and I took a risk on my own. It was a penny stock. Mm-hmm. I I lost in the month of March. I I made thirty four percent. I lost two percent. So I made a total of thirty two percent. And my stop loss protected me. Mm-hmm. Right. So. You know, and that's the other thing. It's the the program gives you a built-in stop. The the stop loss is already calculated. You literally all you have to do is just copy and paste, and that's it. So, this is this is fascinating. I do have to ask. You know, if this is something that really takes off, I mean, it, it sounds like people can make using their brokerage a, a, a sizable income. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Are, are there concerns about, I mean, is there anything that, that could, regulations that could come in that could prevent something like this in the future? You know, just like there's a lot of other software tools out there, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't see how because, you know, if you look at, now the only threat that I would see, which could make any, any amount of impact because we're talking about retail traders. We're not talking about institutional trades, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you mm-hmm. might have an average retail trader, but what are they going to buy? And, if, and and I have my filter set at $40, right? Sometimes I change it to 150 but what are they going to do? They're, they're going to buy 100,000 shares of a $40 stock. You know, uh, when you have a retail trader that's buying five, maybe five ten thousand dollars $10,000 of stocks, maybe you have a high roller that's buying that much stock. And these institutional hedge funds or... BlackRock or all these other guys, they're they're buying like a hundred thousand plus shares. It's it's not it's gonna be of no impact um based on the sheer volume right. that's in the market. I, I don't think I you know, my company, I don't think it could be a threat, but it, it is giving the average retail trader an advantage. And and we have nine million traders at any given time in the stock market. I mean Got it. I, I who knows? I maybe maybe I could get a million of the traders that's using the product, but that's like a, a far stretch. I, I would think I, I would have to have in the millions of subscribers to even be on the radar before anybody sure. would even notice anything. You know. So so let's let's switch gears a little bit and talk. You know, sort of where the business is going. Sure. I mean, I'm curious. How often are you having to make adjustments to the algorithm? Is that sort of something that is very seldom, or is, is there constant fluctuations being no it's it's very consistent um i i only recently because we all know the market's been down 
Um, only when there's like a major shift in the market that I'll make some adjustments, right? So, so everything is so well refined. I mean, I spent an entire year going through these calculations. Uh, I was literally working 12, 14 hour days and I'm the only one because I don't, I didn't trust anybody at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, even now I, I do have a team of developers that work on me now and, and I, I have developers that only work on certain areas of my program, but I'm the only one that has the knowledge of the, the complete scope of capability and functionality of the program. I'm the only one that knows, right? So nothing is by accident, right? Uh, the the price, the stop limit, the stop price, the stop loss, everything is a specific calculation. Um, and, and there's literally multiple calculations that are kind of cloaked in other calculations, right? So it's kind of like, uh, you, you mentioned logic before, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, if this happens, then that happens. If that, if this doesn't happen, then that doesn't happen. So to answer your question, I seldom have to make any adjustments other than minor. And it's a quick I could make an adjustment in like in two seconds, right? Um, I've already I've already wow. kind of taken into consideration every part every possible scenario, right? So I, I have to ask. So you're you're growing your your user base. It's a I assume it's a monthly subscription fee. It is. So where does the future go from here? Where does it where does it where do you see your business growing? Uh, and and are there new areas that you want to enter? Is it a matter of, of being available for more tickers? Where's sort of the, the growth path for you? Now, I am constantly working on, on uh, improving the program. So right now, I, I mentioned that it is pulling uh, tickers from the NASDAQ, the Dow Jones, and the S&P 500. But I am working on pulling tickers from uh, other exchanges. I, I'm not, I'm not going to mention it yet because it's still in, in work, but... Uh, sure. The, the thing about it is that I, I am always looking for kind of like a, a, a repository of tickers that like backup tickers in the event that and, and by the way, to be honest, the only way that we're not going to receive tickers is every company in the world would have to be down at the same time. The NASDAQ, S&P 500, Dow Jones. I mean, every company would have to be like literally out of business for us not to receive tickers. But I am looking a lot at the uh i will mention one thing the um otc mm -hmm. right so i'm doing some separate calculations and being able to pull tickers from those areas and i'm also working on you mentioned crypto before on the break i'm also working on using the same conceptual mathematical algorithms uh in the crypto market the difference with crypto is crypto never closes right so it is a little bit more challenging, but it is very possible. Mm -hmm. But just it's just a matter of getting timing accurate, right? So, but to answer your question, I'm always working on improving, um, and I've been able to successfully. Now, first of all, I started off; it was only like maybe five tickers a month. Mm -hmm. Now we're talking about twenty tickers, and that's consistently, right? Even even on Friday, yeah. uh, right, Ron? I think it would, my Great. program sent like four tickers. I think it was, yeah, it was like three or four. And yeah. there's definitely been multiple days where it's like, yeah, there's multiple tickers that you're kind of being given. And what's kind of nice, too, right. is that you kind of have different ranges. So, yeah, if you want something that's maybe a little bit more valuable, 
you have a few different tickers, and you can play them all depending on your your, your own individual strategy. But the big thing I've liked about your product is that so there's this thing called technical analysis that I know Andre knows about. Alex, what that is is there's a lot of kind of looking at different factors within the market to make a decision on. This is probably where this is going to go. This is why I would want to make. I have high confidence that this is going to be moving up or it's going to be moving down. Andre's product does that all for you. So the nice part is you don't have to have all of that. You don't even really have to think about it. You just basically enter it in. You you basically put you know the the sale price in, whatever exit price you want, and the exit price you know to be honest with you is somewhat flexible. Like yes, you could go for three percent. You may also see if it, if it goes up four, five percent, seven percent within that half hour, you could totally ride it, right? You can sell it at a point that makes sense to you, and that's kind of mm. one of those cool parts. Is that I think for the average investor, I think a lot of people who, especially during the pandemic, have maybe have kind of said, "Boy, why don't I do a little bit of investing just on the side?" It's a great yeah. way to start and get your point. Well, get you started. And especially a way to counteract the inflation rate. Absolutely. Well, so, 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 Andre, you know, I know we're 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 slowly running out of time. I I have two last questions. Sure. One, you know, so I mentioned earlier, I'm a Schwab guy, but there's a lot of different brokerages out there. Do you have anything for you know maybe especially some older people who may not be as savvy in terms of is there like an example? about how they would actually go in and put in the, the price stop, the, the you know, oh. all of the parameters, how they would actually do yes. that? Yeah, so I have an FAQ. So once anybody, and by the way, a lot of my subscribers, they don't even come from the industry. I, I have prior cooks. Uh, one of the barbershop owners is a client and, and they are all successfully trading, right? So my FAQs, it gives a real example of how you place a trade, right? So it'll it'll show you an example of the buy order that you receive, the stop price, limit price, and just like Ron mentioned, now I do say that do add three percent on top of the buy order. However, if the market is at five percent or seven percent, you just change your order to market and it'll execute at the market price. So there's all these examples there. And on top of that, I offer a webinar. So for my subscribers, like after they subscribe, I'll do a webinar and walk them through step by step. Uh, and, and I'll do that. Amazing. I'll be available as much as possible it, it, until they understand. But it's, it's really copy and paste. You're just taking the actual limit, the, the stock price and limit price and just placing that into your brokerage account and hitting buy before the market opens. So it's, it's actually not even any pressure because... Most of the time you receive the ticker between, now I, I'm, we're in West Coast time, so uh, for us it would be like between 6.10 in the morning and 6.20 in the morning. Sure. For those of you that are East Coast, of 9, course, 9.10, 9.20, East yeah. Coast, yeah. Right. So, and it's more than enough time for you just to be like, to Alex's example, okay, I start my morning before I've got a meeting. Okay, quick, just put this in. Cause, Have my cup of coffee, plug yeah, it Yeah, I mean, even like I do most of my trading actually on a, on a mobile so, cell phone. There's obviously better clients that you can use, but it's easy enough to just pop it in there, get it done. And like I said, you set your limit that you're going to sell it at as well, or mm -hmm. you go for market if it moves. 
and boom, you don't even have to think about it or watch it. It's awesome. So, so Andre, I, we're we're running out of time, and I will say this: you have me very intrigued. I think I'm gonna have to get a subscription of this, and then we're gonna have to have you back on, and we can talk about the results. But for those listening in the interim, in the interim, right? Because we'll have you on in, in season three at some point. In the interim, for those listening who are interested, you already mentioned premarketgold.com. You had mentioned that there's a seven free, uh, a seven day trial, free trial, where they'll get to experience uh, getting those emails and testing it out for themselves. Can you also talk about? Okay, I go through those seven days. I absolutely love it. What's the process for for subscribing? What's the cost? Is there any type of promotion for those listening on the call? Sure. So. It's one ninety nine a month, one hundred and ninety nine dollars. I, I said one ninety nine before they thought it was a dollar. <laughs> um, uh, so basically, two hundred dollars a month. Now, so here's what I what I do offer. Um, you do have the seven day free trial. However, if you do not have success, meaning that if you place trades and you follow my exact strategy, uh, and you're not making any profit. But you have to follow my strategy, right? So, um, one one sure. of the things I I, um, I, I want to reiterate on is that I would highly suggest within that thirty minutes to stay there and watch the ticker um, because mm-hmm. even though there's a stop loss, what's happening is a lot of my clients that have kind of set it and forget it, it it they miss they miss their opportunity mm. um, because. I mean, what I what I mean by that is they might make two percent or three percent, but sometimes it, the market is at twenty percent. Sometimes it's been at thirty percent. Mm-hmm. So then, what's going to happen? You, you're going to beat yourself up because it's like, is is what you're doing more important than making thirty percent in in thirty minutes of the day, right? So that's the thing I want to reiterate that if you do have the time to stay there and, and watch it just for no more than 30 minutes i would just watch it just to make sure you don't miss anything big but however like i was saying before if you you follow my exact strategy and and you don't make profit and it doesn't work then i will return your money you know um i i will honor that and you said you said too that you're going to offer a discount because you love the oh, stud brothers right yes. uh, so anybody that is part of this podcast um yep. there there's $20 off so oh, cool. all you have to do is just type in whoever your host is, whether it's Ron or Alex or anybody that's. And this also goes. Ron, go for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this also goes for those of you in the audience that also are part of other other networks and you subscribe. The same thing goes if you, if you want to do the same thing for your audience. Then you just you simply just type in your name uh, after you subscribe, and it, it'll automatically discount them. Uh, when they purchase the program. So you heard that right there. So $20, uh, it, it's $20 a month. Yeah. Yes. $20 a month. That's a very generous discount. And, and I also so, have the so ability keep... to, depending on, uh, and I'm also thinking about doing additional promotions. So whoever's already in my ecosystem, um, mm-hmm. definitely expect more promotions, right? I, I'm, I'm going to play it by ear, but I will, you know, definitely always be doing some type of incentive. Awesome. Terrific. Well, 
Andre, this is really exciting. I'm going to have to chat with you about getting my own subscription. Absolutely. Uh, because what I want to do is I want to get you on for season three again. And we'll talk about, hey, yeah, Ron's more technical. He's more of a financial savvy guy. But if Alex Studd can figure it out, then that means anybody can figure it out. So I think that'd be a lot of fun to have you back on. We can talk about more things you're working on. But in the meantime, again, premarketgold.com. Uh, seven-day free trial. You have nothing to lose. As Andre talked about, if there's any concerns, you can always reach out. And with that, Andre, this has been an absolute delight, an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you.